to Australia. We're here. There we find our Aussie correspondent, Chris Russell. And Chris, uh, the All Blacks live to survive another day. Bragging rights are ours. We're still in the Rugby World Cup. Sorry to rub it in. Good afternoon. Yes, well, good afternoon to you as well. And yeah, there's a lot of weird teams still in the Rugby World Cup, but you enjoy your moment. The other thing <laughs> is you're still in is the is the uh, Cricket World Cup. You're doing remarkably well as that. I think you're top of the table, right? Yeah. Uh, is that the one? Are you guys still bottom of the table or have you come back up from there? Oh, we're, we've got great things ahead of us, you know. As long as we <laughs> beat the, the massive sides of Afghanistan and, um, you know, Sri Lanka, and, you know, we'll, we'll get there eventually. I did enjoy looking at the uh, table after the weekend and seeing Australia below Netherlands, but we will move on from that. Thanks for being a good sport, Chris. Hey, look, what's happening with your apple and your pear growers in Australia at the moment? They're having a pretty tough time. Yeah, look, often I know in New Zealand the apple and pear board, I think you still have market those two together. So I was interested in the fact that they're both under pressure here, but for completely different reasons. The problem with the pear market is that they've sort of become a bit of a forgotten fruit over here with only about 15% of home fruit bowls actually having apple uh, pears in them, mainly because they always arrive in the supermarkets rock hard, often out of storage, and you have to ripen them yourself in the fruit bowl before they become edible. And often they turn from hard to pulpy and rotten overnight almost. So people have just sort of given up on pears, despite them enjoying the flavour of pears. So they're still a popular fruit, but they're not popular to keep in fruit bowls. So therefore the consumption of pears has, uh, uh, and uh, con- purchase by the supermarkets um, you know, has dropped by about at least half. And then you, on the other hand, you look at apples, which are in 84% of fruit bowls around Australia. But the problem with those is the farmers are just not being rewarded for their cost of growing them. They're only making around about 50 cents per kilo profit. They haven't seen a decent price rise in apples for about 20 years, they're claiming. And therefore, for them, it's just not worth their while growing them for what the supermarkets are prepared to pay. A lot of that is due to the increasing import of apples from China in particular, Rose. Why are you importing apples from China, Chris? Great question. I think it's called um, free trade agreements. And, um, you know, it's it's, uh, just ridiculous that we bring any of those sort of crops in. But uh, on the other hand, um, they want to, to also limit our imports to them competing with their businesses. So this is where these free trade agreements can actually um, you know, come unstuck. Chris, does it become something like the apples are the sacrifice here? We'll take your apples, but you need to take our meat. Yeah, that's it. How does that work? I know. Oh, your poor apple growers. Um, Look, we need to start a campaign, save the pears. I particularly, uh, I personally hate them. I think they're gritty and awful. But look, I know a lot of people love them. Love to know your thoughts. 5009, you can reach us on are you an apple person or are you a pear person? Maybe. Chris, I know that when you're learning to draw at school, you start by drawing an apple. Maybe they could start by drawing pears now. Save the pears one pear at a time. And they're supposed to keep the doctor away too, remember, right? There is that, there is that. Hey, over the weekend, uh, pretty big news on the politics front here in New Zealand, a change of government for us. Uh, No change, though, for you in Australia when it comes to the voice referendum. 
No, this was pretty much as it, uh, as expected. Of course, it's been an unsatisfying result, really. I don't think anyone can really take any great um, pleasure from this result. Obviously, the First Nations people are unhappy that, that they haven't been given the, the kind of direct power input that they wanted. Um, and I, I think the people that were expecting to be able to acknowledge the prior occupation of Australia or the prior uh, residents in Australia, the Aboriginals are disappointed because that part of the referendum didn't get up. Uh, certainly the Prime Minister has been left scarred by this. Uh, he should have separated those issues and at least come out with uh, a win for prior recognition, but he continued to say they don't want recognition without the power that goes with the voice, and people weren't prepared to give them that. And of course, the one, only good thing you could say is it was a resounding defeat. Every state, other than the Canberra, the, the territory of Canberra, which of course just live in a little glass bubble which isn't really part of Australia, <laughs> uh, but every other part of Australia didn't vote in favour and 60% of the population overall didn't vote in favour, including all the areas where the Aboriginal population is very high. So at least it wasn't marginal. We don't have people arguing about vote rigging and racism and so on and so forth. But so I just think it was a complete waste of $380 million, very badly handled. Uh, and has left just a bad taste in everybody's mouth, right? Chris Russell, our Australian correspondent, appreciate your time as always and all the best for your boys against Pakistan in the Cricket World Cup tomorrow night. You'll need it. No worries, though. Thank you very much.